Welcome to the world of color. A podcast about colors and everything it touches. Podcast by Radio Oedipus, Victor Bangolo, and recorded by Scott Dress. So, Laser, thanks for uh, joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Well, so this is um, so this is the Balois, and we are having a little chat about you and about your work. And um, well, first of all, uh, well, I, I think you are a poet in that sense, and I guess you can describe yourself as a poet. Yeah, I describe myself as a poet, but uh, mostly I describe myself as an artist. Yeah, because I don't only do poetry, but I also paint, draw. Uh, create uh, a spoken word. Um, I do actually everything. I also work for com in commission, so I also, also do a little bit of graphic design. Not, but more in the in uh, with the stuff I already do. So most of the stuff I do is from the poetry I'm known for for in the streets. But uh, I see myself echt really primarily as an artist. Yeah, uh, because I started out as an as a graffiti artist. So I used to do pieces and draw a lot. I did comics, I painted. So it's it's a lot of things. But people see me more now as the poet, which yeah. is interesting. But uh, I'm really more like an all-round artist. That's how I see myself. That uses a lot of disciplines to to get my voice or my art across. Yeah, because uh, of course, yeah, you are really uh, you are known for the, the what you write in the streets and. It seems that it came naturally out of you that yeah. you needed to write. And um, so, for example, when you do your poetry, is this all, are these both weaved with it, what you do in the street, or it's a bit separate? Was what do curious. You, what do you mean? Like if you write poetry that is, let's say, aimed at being uh, listened to. Yeah. Or no, there's no difference in that. No. It's no. Uh, when I write, I just uh, I I write. Sometimes I write a lot. Sometimes I write less. But uh, when I write, I don't write with the idea like to have separate things, you know. I just write, first of all, I write on paper. That's mm -hmm. the basic. And what, where it goes from there, uh, most of the times it goes first on the street and then I turn it into art. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And um, I was curious about the whole... Um, uh yeah, when you decide to put it on, on the street, yeah. you know, like the moment this... this word or sentence are there um yeah do you is it a conscious decision let's say before or it's something you decide on the moment uh sometimes it's on the moment mm -hmm. but i always go out prepared if yeah. i understand your question yeah, right. yeah. uh i one of the, the funny thing is sometimes i'm on the street and i'm in this flow with words and ideas and i've just written like a couple of sentences and the machine is the creative machine is like running and oiled and then i come up with spontaneous things on the spot you know uh, i have it, i had it a couple of times that i had a line that i wanted to write on a specific spot mm -hmm. but when i was at the spot i came up with a, another yeah. line and i was like oh, i should write this here you know and it just goes very naturally uh, most of the things i do uh, are very organic Mm -hmm. Also, when I started to write poetry, it was not like I had this idea, I'm going to write poetry on the street. It was not like that. I was more uh, busy with graphic art and painting. Mm 
And on the side, I started to write poetry, just as something that that, that kind of caught my attention. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I just was so obsessed with writing more than I was with making graphic art. And um, at some point, I just wanted to do something with my po- with the words because I thought, oh, there's some good lines in there. And I started to integrate them in my graphic work first. And then I thought, hey, maybe we can, um, I can do something with it on the streets. And I just, I thought it, it was more an experiment. Like what does it have, what does, what does it does? And what happens and what kind of effect has it when you start to do poetry on the street in a certain way? I didn't know what shape, form it mm-hmm. was going to be. I just picked up a can and started developing it. And it really developed uh, mostly on the street. On the street. Yeah, where it belongs. Yeah, that's because you said that in one of the interviews that you like these wooden panels, you know, oh, to, yeah. be, to be this sort of fragile or uh, meant to be destroyed things. At some point, you know, this like when you have construction yeah. work, this place needs to, this poetry will go at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. I like the idea that you don't uh, have an expiration date on the art on the street. It could stay there for a day. It could stay there for sometimes years. Sometimes they travel around. <laughs> I, put, I put something in this street and uh, it ends up in Harlem. I was two years ago, I was with my son in Harlem. And we walked into a street and suddenly there was a panel of mine there. So I put that like five years ago in Amsterdam in that, in that street. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting that it goes around. But I like this idea that it's a, this uh, uh, here today, gone tomorrow effect, you know. Yeah. It could pop up and it could be gone. And the way I saw it, I also saw it as like the, if you take a map of the city, you see like this, if you would place all these dots on where my poetry was, I saw it like as this star map yeah. where stars are being born and others are going supernova and disappear. And that's also a thing that I saw in my head with uh, when I would map the, the 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 art in the street because some would stay longer and some would go away very quickly and some would never come to fruition because the next day they would be yeah. gone. But do you, you often paint at night, I believe. Yeah, yeah, most of the time. Sure. Well, that goes with the star thematic, yeah. the galaxy. Yeah. Above your head are also stars. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, like, you have this map here and it connects with that, you know? Yeah. Well, that's quite, yeah, that, indeed, that's quite uh, poetic already. <laughs> <laughs> because I think, um, like, I've seen somewhere that some, uh, on the, like, some landscape, not landscape, but urbanization are also play based on star oh, really? location yeah in certain oh, cool. civilization they've realized that certain buildings and monuments were aligned according to stars oh really yeah oh, and cool. a friend of a friend apparently her dad or granddad made a, a crazy research in the south of france that a lot of villages are placed based on uh, star location. I didn't know that. This is, but this is probably a very underground uh, research. But uh-huh. The guy made like 50 maps of a region. Yeah, yeah. Trying to link every place with a star. Okay. And apparently it sort of corresponds, but there is no, uh, let's say, approval from the yeah. authority that it's actually... It's not consensus <laughs> about it, so that's, that's a bit of a thing. Yeah, but it's actually quite, quite beautiful in that sense that uh, yeah. the stars go pass pass and go and of course we see the stars because they are lights and yeah. uh, lights um, travels and there's also this notion of movement yeah which i think in your writing there's uh, the way you write is very uh, it's a movement yeah. it's not a uh, 
how do you call that? You don't do stencil. That's no. stencil would be sort of a I I own this. While yeah. you is more of a yeah, it's more out of the the soul comes out of the finger a bit, you know. Yeah, but that's what I found. Uh, yeah, especially in the your I would say. La- I think laser seal is a logo, so you write it. Yeah, I actually when I started out uh, uh, doing the street the street poetry, I actually thought because when I started out I was doing my old laser tag that was mm-hmm. from the eighties and with the tags under that, but I was like it's not really working. Yeah. So uh, I thought like it, I should change my tag a little bit, you know. And uh, what I started doing is like looking at these old logos, like from Coca-Cola, these old logos of Pepsi, Cola, Nike, but also other brands that, mm-hmm. that some of them don't even exist anymore. And I was like, why do these, why do they work? Because why do certain logos work and others don't? Because we have this massive amount of information, visual information. Mm-hmm. And why do certain stick out or why are some, some so timeless? So I started to really look at them, look at them. I couldn't verbally explain why, because yeah. I'm, I'm not really a theorist in that regard. But instinctively, I was like, oh, I should do it a little bit like this, because that gives this, this, it moves it away from the standard graffiti. Mm-hmm. But it also, I was also trying to create something, a, a tag that is more timeless, my name. So I just started developing it. Yeah. And uh, it just grew, and I just did it, did it, did it, and uh, and also the idea that I got from Andy Warhol was uh, repetitiveness to make things more ingrained in your brain. Yeah, That's yeah. why he kept doing some art hundred, two hundred times, and just placing them next to each other, because this I think uh, if you repeat things at some point, it will get ingrained in people's. Conscious. It's sometimes it starts in the subconscious, yeah, yeah, and then it becomes very conscious. But I think with yours, uh, really, the way you place laser yeah. 3.14 has this sort of uh, calligraphic yeah. style to it, and I, it reminds me a bit of what you do when you learn to write calligraphy. Yeah, you okay. have to really follow a line, and I do draw in the same way. Sometimes I repeat shapes, yeah, just to get the right flow. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but I was curious about your name because you have this little circle above. A halo. A halo. A halo. I, I wasn't sure if I should call that a yeah, halo. It's a halo. A... But it's very normal in graffiti to do halos. Yeah. You have like, uh, I think there was this guy called Stay High uh, who did, I don't know if he was the first one, mm-hmm. but he had like this, you know, it's an old 60s uh, series with uh, Roger Moore, that would later became James Bond. Yes. And he had one. the Saint character. Yes. And I think... I'm not sure, don't, don't, uh, I can't say it for certain, but I think that's where the halo started to pop up in graffiti. And as he's been doing, he, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was already doing graffiti in the early 70s. Mm. And that's where all certain things that you see now in graffiti, halos, crowns, stripes on the side, uh, arrows downstairs, they got developed in that, uh, in in that, that time. In that time. And for me, yeah, Halo is it's it's something that was from an old graffiti scene. So it's uh, the old graffiti language that I still use. Ah, yeah. Because for me, when I would hear Halo, I believe about this. I would think about the synth yes. of a. I would say either a personality that is a bit sacred and a bit mysterious, or someone that um, uh, is a watcher. You know, something yeah. that's 
around you uh, like it, a sentinel somebody yeah, standing around that's no. what has a bit of that feeling with a halo which probably works with a graffiti person yeah. that smoothly walks into town and gets uh, everywhere yeah i didn't see it that way because for me it was just the old graffiti language but uh, like the things we use like crowns and in graffiti you have like a couple of stages where you start as a toy we call that a toy yeah and uh, where you're not good you know you're, you're, <laughs> everything is crap but you you, you just started out so people kind of respect that and they expect yeah. you when because it's a it's a craft it's a really a hard craft to learn actually you have to really be good at painting drawing visualizing stuff being graphically uh, having a good graphic vision people underestimate that from graffiti mm -hmm. and uh, but you can work yourself up to king and then ah, you can okay that's the yeah and where you're like one of the top well-known good graffiti artists you kind of become a king so that's all it, it, it's the the culture is very interesting if you know all the details yeah there's a sort of a, a hierarchy somehow yeah that's, that's interesting for for me street art movement that is outside of certain boundaries oh yeah this exists i uh I asked myself, uh, I used apply the golden circle on my work, you know? The, yeah, the golden ratio. Yeah, I um, like the why, how, what, and I never really took time to define the, the why with my work. And um, the why for me, the way I see it, is I'm trying to make the invisible visible. Mm -hmm. That's if I would down, put it down to one line. And that goes all the that goes in all directions. Uh, for you, for instance, you said like I don't know, I didn't know this about the graffiti scene that there's a hierarchy. A lot of people don't know it because they what they see is just scribbling on the wall mm -hmm. and uh, stuff. And for a, a seasoned graffiti writer or somebody who is into graffiti, it's far more than that. It's a whole history and with styles and and all kinds of rules and and techniques that you use, and it goes f very far. But uh, it's hard to make that visible for people who don't know that. So, uh, also when I started out writing the poetry, one of the things I thought about was like, what I noticed in my career as a graffiti artist that a lot of people um, don't feel included in the scene. Because if you write a tag on the wall or somebody's door or whatever, they just see a scribble. They just yeah. see a, something that is some, maybe a nuisance or something they don't like. Uh, that, uh, but also what I notice is people want to feel part of something. And graffiti, if you do it the classical way, kind of, people kind of feel excluded because they don't understand it. It's not visible for them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I started to write poetry, I was like, why not write it in capital letters so that everybody can read it? So people don't feel excluded. Even though it's graffiti, they feel a connection with it. And... Um, and I went with that idea, like, don't write it in graffiti red letters, but write it in capital letters. So you're going to get this conversation going. You know, it's not the one-way street for me communicating. Only to, to one. Uh, yeah, to one group, but yeah. I just wanted to communicate to the whole city. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I was, I was curious about the writing itself. Yeah. You know, like, how do you write on your wall? Indeed, the capital letters makes more sense for clarity. Oh, yeah. But do you, um, so you must have, after so many 
with years of doing it, your capital letter writing must be perfect. Yeah, it's still... Uh, a friend of mine noticed that I write, I think, the F still in... Uh, not in capital. Oh, yeah? You know? Yeah. So... Uh, It's not all capital. It's kind of funny because I didn't notice it. <laughs> But uh, he said, like, you know, you write your F always in uh, no, no, no standard letters. But, ah, yeah. But so do you do you do in your other work a lot of type related, like in your graphic work or in your painting work? Is yeah, it also I, when I did my paintings, what I used to do is like get a 70 by 80 uh, uh, canvas. And I would like really do graphic letters on it but really with masking tape with my calculator calculating them ah, out and really do the typo cut them out really nicely and i would spend hours a day on like making these beautiful tight letters and i learned that at graphic school because we got type mm -hmm. old school typography in the 80s you would really learn about it uh, so in that sense i already had like a feeling for letters it was just uh, uh the way I developed them into what it is now. It just took a lot of time and just doing it, but I wasn't overly conscious about things. I th I'm afraid if you become overly conscious, you kind of lose that, you move away from the instinctiveness of your actions. You know, if you, mm -hmm. go, if you think more and do less, it's kind of less spontaneous, do you understand? So... That's how I like to work. And that's how I saw myself develop to this point. You know, it was lots of instinct and trying and just developing. Yeah, and I, but I think what you said pretty right, because it's, I guess your body has also a lot of uh, movement in yeah. itself to write. Yeah. Because when I project you writing, I never seen you in the street doing it. Yes. But if I imagine you doing it, when I see the piece, I'm like, this is an entire body moving. Oh, yeah. It's not just a hand or a head Everything is in unison. And because I also feel that sometimes when I draw, yeah. that it's also the body who yeah. needs to move with the, yeah, uh, hell yeah. the pen. Like last week, I had a little uh, outside art show at yeah. Paradiso, and I was also oh, cool. feeling that, yeah, it's, I need to let the body move, yeah. more, move more of, my, of, of me than just my hand. And oh, yeah. That helps a lot. I always call it with graffiti, like, uh, uh, you, have, you have two types of pieces. One that is static, mm -hmm. for me, that's not really interesting because sometimes they're very nightly, neatly sprayed, perfect, but there's no soul in them, there's no movement in them. And I have the, because I, you have to use your body. Mm -hmm. Your body is also part of the instrument. That's what I noticed when I was doing graffiti. If I would stand there, my lines would get static. But if I'd flow with my body and just stand and all these movements, you would see it also in the final product. Yeah. So it's it's still in there, you know. Even when I do the text, you see me like hopping around a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's well, but that's normal, I think. I mean, maybe some people don't see it when they come across your work, but I think if they would see the same thing made from a static perspective, yeah. they would totally have a different yeah. understanding of the writing. So I was wondering about, of course, the writing part because uh, so you write in black. Yeah, yeah. No, not always. I used to use a lot of different colors but yeah. i actually ended up with black because i just like the the feel of it the feel yeah, yeah. it's better the contrast yeah for you makes more sense but sometimes I think, sometimes i have red yeah because sometimes i run out of cans and i just need to have some colors or pick up a color but most of the times it's black yeah I, i believe black in that sense really makes for this signature and this 
voice. Yeah. Because what I would imagine, if that would, let's say, if you would write your name in blue and then the sentence in red on a background that has a color, yeah. that becomes maybe more of a painting or more of a yeah. decoration, less than yeah. a statement on the yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Yeah. And uh, the, yeah? yeah, go on. Oh, no, I wanted to talk, say, because you said statement on the wall. That's also was my inspiration because. I grew up here in Amsterdam. I've been living here since 1975. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 1975 I came here. And I just saw Amsterdam when I came here in the early 80s and I would walk with my mom uh, through Amsterdam. It was like this, almost this quarters paradise, you know, mm -hmm. and full of junkies, full of anarchists, full of very interesting people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what I, but what I also saw were all these political statements like all these poses about squatting, about this, about that, and uh, but also these painted letters on brick walls, and those images always stuck with me. They're so when I started to the poetry, all, I had also I saw these images also in my back. Like we don't have that anymore that mm -hmm. much, you know. So uh, I thought, like, yeah, let's 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 use that feeling. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was more about feeling and. Trying to connect with, with with image with my past, with things that I saw around me then, and things I wanted to say, and uh, iconic iconography of uh, of logos and stuff. So it was all these things that I that were that bubbling in my head and that needed to get out or something. Yeah, but that reminds me a bit what I heard of one of your interview that you've noticed, of course, the evolution of the city. Yeah, it's often you are. Uh, also your opinion about these changes yeah. and how the city became less what you yeah. experienced as a, as a child of this punk uh, free-minded or like very liberal yeah that yeah. you said that now it's less oh yeah <laughs> yeah i think people i don't want to uh, put down but i find i find I, I i like the diversity of thought but also the diversity of people better mm -hmm. Because now, for me, when I walk around the city, all the neighbors look the same for me, mm -hmm. and the people wear the same clothes, you know, and they look the same. So it's kind of for me, it's a kind of almost a weird world that I'm, I stepped in. But it's still uh, it's still my city, and I still love to be here, and I still meet interesting people. Mm -hmm. But the diversity is a bit uh, gone because you had like all these layers, like worker class, uh, middle class, upper class, and it would like mix together. And when I come to my old, old neighborhood, I'm like, what the hell happened here? You know, all the poor people, where were all the poor uh, yeah. people gone, you know? And it's really weird to see. And do you have um, sometimes people from, let's say, that relate to you from that time that when they see your message, they're like, oh, that's exactly reminds me of this. Uh... That, that I don't know. I get like a lot of reactions from people, but uh, it's it's like very, yeah difference yeah. yeah but I, I, I yeah i think more people of my generation complain about it <laughs> than uh, the younger generation the younger generation because for them it's new it's fresh and yeah and uh i think when they come to my age i'm 48 now they will also have the same how oh, the city changed and uh, you know it's i think it's a natural process <laughs> of getting older getting older getting cranky <laughs> yeah i'm not that i'm not cranky at all luckily uh, not yet Yeah, because I was I had this image the other day was when I was thinking about what you do in the city. Like if we would have this 
suddenly vision of where everything, where all of your drawings or paintings are in the city, your yeah. writing, that would feel like you've covered the city like a like a like a room basically of, yeah. of message yeah. and i had this image of this you know this person in a cell writing yeah. frenetically <laughs> yeah. everything that's on their mind but yeah. you it's the city itself yeah because do you do it outside of uh, sometimes yeah when yeah. i'm when i'm on holiday i always have a can with me so everywhere i go i try to get a, a can. message a funny, yeah, funny story. I was I went to Russia to Saint Petersburg, mm -hmm. and I just brought my cans with a plane in my suitcase. No problem getting it in, but uh, getting it out was a bit of a problem. Oh yeah, <laughs> because I packed them in and I was standing in line to get them to uh, to do something with the passport. Suddenly, this Russian security came. You, and I was like. <laughs> Oh my God! No, because I tagged. I was tagging there the the whole week. I was tagging in St. Petersburg, so my heart was like. But they said, yeah, that those cans you can't put them on the plane. But that's the. <laughs> I almost grabbed my pants up because I thought, oh fuck, they they, they got me <laughs> in Russia of all places. But uh, no, you can't uh, take the cans uh, out of Russia. You can bring them in, but you can't take them out. No. But most of the times wherever I go, I take some cans and I try to do some work, you know? Yeah. And do you, well, I believe you can also be inspired by the new location. You oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't bring your... No, I, I haven't been in England or London for a long time. But I used to go to London almost every month just mm -hmm. to tag. Just hang out a week and just do tags. Because that city kind of, when I'm there, I get so inspired. Mm -hmm. I walk around and I have my note... And just write stuff down. I go to galleries and stuff. Like that. But at, at night, I just go around tagging, tagging, tagging. So, yeah. ah, that's interesting that you have. A... So London for you is one of the biggest inspiration for graffiti? At the time, yeah. Uh, Ten years ago, yeah. I okay. used to go to Shoreditch uh, quite a bit. And it was totally full of street art. And maybe long, maybe longer ago. But it was totally full of street art. You saw all these Banksy's popping up there and... And uh, it was like it reminded me of Amsterdam uh, when I grew up. Oh, so yeah? I kind of it kind of connected with me this, this free, creative, weird things that were going on. You know, I, I loved it. Yeah. And so, so it has changed then London for you now. That Since part you of yeah, out. because uh, I saw it gradually because it became this hotspot of artists and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So naturally, all the people and uh, companies moved there. And now it's totally, it's, it's, it's still cool, but it's not as cool as it used to be. Ah. That part of London, Shoreditch, it's still cool. Just, if I would go there, I would still like it. But I remember how it used to be a bit roughed up and all these small gallery, cheap galleries with people, or stores with people selling their small stuff that they handmade. And now it's like very commercial. Ah. So that's the contrast. And that's what I also saw happening in Amsterdam uh, the last 20 years. Like all these small stores left or gone and yeah the rich people no we have nutella yeah. bar huh? nutella bar in the city center yeah <laughs> <laughs> and because when you were in london big question but then were you in the scene also or were you more incognito i was more incognito but i knew a couple of people there yeah i knew uh charlie uh, uh pure evil yes he, uh, he was the first street artist there in Shoreditch that has his own gallery and it's still going mm-hmm so I would hang out with him, and we would go out at night do some tagging. And but most of the times I walked around alone. At some point, I just knew the neighborhoods a bit, and I just would get my bag with cans and just go around and do my thing. 
So what's your opinion on the what street art is now also? Because street art also evolved a lot. Yeah, of course. And in uh, terms of fame, uh, publicity, or even, uh, I would say, the weight of it in the art world now. Oh, yeah. It's a bit less, but you still see its influence when you go to uh, art shows or art fairs. You still, it, at some point, you saw street art everywhere, even contemporary artists that had nothing to do with street art were using it. Uh, but you see, you see it a bit less, but it's 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 very accepted. What I know, yeah. it's it's uh, they call it urban contemporary also to make it even more ah, open. There's for a the new uh, terminology. No, they've been they be using it for the last eight years or something. Okay. Urban contemporary, but uh, it's still very popular because I think a lot of young people who get their first homes, they want stuff that they know from their youth, you know? Mm -hmm. Street Arts has been around now to around 20 years or something. So, so a lot of people were like in their 20s or 15 or what, that are buying now their own first art pieces and stuff. So it's, uh, I noticed it. The last um, fair I was, I sold quite a bit of work. And if I see the people, at most of, most of the times people in their 20s, 30s that buy it. Aye. Yeah. Yeah, well, because my um, my brother used to be a graffiti uh, artist. Really? Yeah, well, in Paris, huh? not in London. And um, but he stopped after a while. But he was taking more the road of a more of a kind of a painter. Oh, yeah. So he would, of course, it was all about his name and his crew. But he, he really evolved towards more painting. But he stopped for many reasons. But he kept that, um, which I find interesting. He kept that drawing and writing with what he does. Still yeah. do. And, but he switched to writing, like writing. Oh, books. really? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I won't, yeah, you do poetry, but you obviously can write a book, I believe. Uh, you would probably put everything into a book at some point. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I, never, I don't see myself writing a book yet. Yeah. But uh, because I find poetry already challenging, and let alone writing a, a book that, that's really committed. That's, uh, I find uh, I have a lot of respect for writers because it's such a commitment. To go out every day, write four to eight pages. Uh, starting a book is the most, I think it's the most hardcore thing because you start with a blank, maybe some notes, and then you need to fill in the page every day. You have to go back. Yeah, I respect that. Do you? By the way, do you write by by hand all of your thing? Like, do you do? I mean, do you do computer or by both. hand? No, both. Oh, both. Okay. Both. I have like my little notebooks. That are around my desk, and um, when I have idea, I don't. It takes sometimes time to type it, mm -hmm. so I'd rather have a book and just write it down very quickly. Uh, it used to be that I write, would write on everything, envelopes, pieces of paper, because I just needed something handy. But now I have just these black books and my computer. Oh, yeah. yeah, I also realized that for me it's a bit the same. Sometimes I need to write down things because yeah. the computer calls for more corrections. Yeah. But while you write, there is the corrections, you can see them yeah. or the mistakes. And it's a bit more of a, it's also more maybe natural to write somehow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was curious about one thing. Do you know Oblique Strategy no. from Brian Eno and Peter Schmidt? No. It's a, um, I think it's a card game that was made in the 70s, but they've made a few um, editions. It's a very intriguing thing because it's a card game which each card has a sort of a sentence oh, yeah? that supposedly or it's aimed at triggering your imagination or your um, reflection. And it's 
you should be using it when you are in a creative process. Oh, really? So if you are stuck or you need to refresh your creative process, you pick one of those cards and the sentence is very confronting or just ask you to uh, basically think differently. And I, 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 I thought you would know because sometimes I think one of you, some of your sentences evoke that sort of uh, uh, thinking sort of like the sentence asks you to think twice. <laughs> okay. But um, you, yeah, I mean, have a look because it's very intriguing okay. uh, object. You can buy the, the deck of cards. It's all black and white. So oh, you perfect. would uh, like this, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Oblique strategy. Okay. Yeah, it's... Um, what do you do when, you're, when you have like a block? When you're stuck, because you're, you're going to get stuck sometimes too. Yeah, know? I do get stuck. Um, well, I think for me, there are different sort of uh, moments of like the creative process. Yeah. You have the, the true research moment where it can be anything, can be a mind yeah. uh, research or a paper research. But then there's the difficult moment of switching this research into an actual thing. Yeah. When is it the right timing to do it or to actually find it? And when I get stuck, I think that the best way is to uh, do something else. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Or what I do also is I work simultaneously few things. And maybe naturally, the one that has the most potential stands out. Yeah. Or the one that I feel my attention is the most attracted to at that moment is the one that I will finish first or I will continue And it's a bit like I, I see that a bit as a sort of a, a plant that grows different branch yeah. and some branch will get stronger because the way they are connected to the core is make them more strong. And the other either stay as they are or they just die. Yeah, they die off, yeah. <laughs> or you cut them, you yeah. make a clear decision, you cut them and you, you can do a, also another mini plant with it, but that's for another one. <laughs> so yeah. And, um, But uh, yeah, for me, I'm considering myself more on a painter kind of. Uh, oh, really? Okay. More painter, more drawing. So I'll have a lot of things that has to do with colors and how I create the dynamic and uh, patterns. So the, the, my creative process has a lot to do with the... Um, I need to create a world. Or I, don't know, I need to develop some sort of vision. Yeah. Um, I'm not uh, trying to uh, single out the, the the right thing first. Oh yeah, you know it's uh, because I believe when you do writing or you do certain kind of illustration, you can you have to craft a bit of that special thing. Yeah, me I sort of try to lay down everything at first and then shape it slowly or shape it as a whole, and at some point it will stand. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that too. I remember doing, um, I got an assignment for Tommy Hilfiger to do. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what to do. And I just got uh, stacks of white paper, put them on my wall, get some can, just starting making shapes and patterns. And I like that development because you really start off, yeah, I, it was kind of stressy because I needed to it's a, come out with something. Yeah, I need to come out with something, but... Then I just took a breath, let the stress go, and just started naturally working on things. At some point, I started to shape. Yeah. I was sending pictures to uh, the guy I'm working with, uh, Mark Chalmers. And he was like, oh, that's starting to look cool. You should try 
this area is nice. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. And then I started developing it. And after a week, we got it, you know. But I like when you start, like again, let's go right. You start with this blank page, and it's very daunting and stressy because you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for this, uh, this, this, this company, you know. And um, but they were very accommodating, and at the end, it turned out very cool. You know, ah, I created all these patterns and uh, stuff like that. And how does that make you feel when you also you are street art artist, street artist, and then when you work for a brand, a commercial brand, or when you do a bit of this uh, selling part of the work, do you have problems or is it all? It fine? depends uh, because Tommy, we did something like years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I did, I, I did a, 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 the flap of uh, one of these bags uh, I did for them. But it was kind of low-key, it was most, more local. And uh, when they asked me again, we had just, uh, I like the brand, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and uh, we the first time we had a good relationship, so I was like, yeah, let's do it again. You know, but it uh, depends on the company. It depends really on the company. Yeah, like for example, that, that can happen that uh, a more uh, haute couture kind of brand yeah. would be inspired or interested yeah. by you. So th would that be the same? Would you be more careful with it what depends can... because you the thing is you don't want your name attached to too many of these things. It's, it's hard to explain but uh, you kind of can also lose something with, mm -hmm. with doing it but at the end of the day you know what i kind of find the most important that my heart is in the right place personally and that my integrity is in the right place And that's something that's not for sale. And that's how I see it. Mm -hmm. So even when I work with brands, I, they, they never tell me what to do or what to make. They say, like, we want you to develop something. And I develop it and I say yes or no, and that's it. But they're not like, yeah, you should do this or you should do that. I never had that. Yeah. And that's pretty cool, you know, uh, because I would, ex I would expect them to be like, oh, it should be like this or that. No, they just ask me because, because they want to work with me. Yeah. And... Uh, And the other thing is, uh, I get I, I I heard that a lot with certain street artists like, yeah, I wouldn't do it because of this or that, and I'm like, it's also uh, uh, something like um, appreciation because they should they see you and they show appreciation also for you. It's not like they ever disrespected me or my art in that way. But I come from a very poor family mm -hmm. when we came here. Uh, from Suriname with my mother has eight kids and they needed to take care of that so I come really from a, I just know poverty most of the times mm -hmm. I live and I was kids I lived on a poverty level so all I had was my skills and my ideas and a library card I always say you know <laughs> and um, so for me it's also this journey from 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 where I come To being appreciated this is also something that people should see i think you know mm -hmm. should be asked by the tommy hill figure from where i come from and it's all, it, i think it's more the way i see it it should inspire people like you can do things on your own terms it doesn't matter where you come from you yeah. know i think these days uh, when i look at a lot of things they say to the youth it's a lot of negativity How you look, how you did, how you that, how your skin color, yada yada. But it's not this building up. It's not this expire, expiring. Like it doesn't matter how you look. Doesn't matter where you're from or your skin color. If you work hard, or you have your talent, and you hone in on it, 
you can create chances. Mm -hmm. Because when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't think that I had any chance, you know. But uh, I just worked hard, and that's something I just noticed that I really love to make art, love to draw, and um, and I love to work hard. And I just like to go, 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 and that's something that was just there. So I kind of climbed out of out of something, and I hope that that can be inspiring to others, you know, because I think a lot of special kids are a bit directionless. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's especially in these times, it's so hard to get a focus on what you want or what you can be. Sometimes you miss what you actually already are. And um, if you can, if that could inspire people to see what they actually are and what they can do and what they can achieve with the tools they already have, uh, I hope that gets out, you know. Yeah. I'm a bit fake. I'm trying to. <laughs> no, but I was yeah. just listening to that and thinking, yeah, you should be an art teacher. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not good at teaching. <laughs> I wouldn't be well, good at that. Well, maybe not the, maybe not the art teacher that you would imagine with the class, the painting, and the drawing, yeah. but more uh, maybe at the level where, uh, we'd say, teenagers, young adults yeah. make a step towards art study and yeah. need to get a bit of a um, conceptual background and maybe how to frame their idea. And their yeah. Maybe you not, should... Uh, but not in an academic way, more in a human way. That's yeah, like, probably. Yeah. <laughs> not because it's... Uh, I mean, you you have uh, like your career or your past uh, quite... It's a strong um, line, you know? Yeah. So... I think for the for arts people interested into art and development, that's interesting to know. Yeah, it's not only the what you see on the wall, but also mm. what's behind it. Yeah, you know? uh, I would say, I would I would think you could you could give good class of <laughs> <laughs> development of uh, art project yeah. mentorship. Let's put that, it like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only thing I, I wouldn't call myself that, but I could. I did it before. I did a couple of workshops, and I just told my story. From where I come from, where I did with the slides, with uh, you saw pictures of me as a kid, and and I just told my story in an hour, and I noticed like a lot of was for uh, blick openers in the Stanley mm -hmm. Museum. We did two of them, and a lot of kids kind of resonated with it. Yeah, it was really interesting. I didn't know that because uh, only when you do it, you know it. You know. Yeah, no, but I've done a couple of workshops uh, as a participant, not as a one who gives it, and. In the right conditions, when people feel uh, uh, confident and heard or like yeah. respected in their expression, they really let go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And with you, since you are working primarily with uh, language and writing, I think that could create some pretty interesting outcome. Like if you would give like kids uh, a, a writing workshop, oh, yeah. something like that, you know, or a, a take over a room with... Uh, yeah, we did that in the... Uh, it was not a writing workshop, but we did this workshop. I told my story and why I do it, and da, da, da. and at the end of the, by the end, the last part was like, let's create some lines yourself. Mm. So I gave the, you got all kinds, of the all got papers, and they started writing stuff, and we were going to write it on this uh, couple of wooden panels, and some of the lines were so good, there was no filter, there was yeah. no. It's like damn, and I wish, sometimes I was like, I wish I wrote a road. <laughs> I wish I wish I wish I wrote that. You know, it was really good. Yeah. So it's it's in there. You just need to give it a chance. You know. Yeah. To uh, 
Yeah, that's what I I'd sometimes write things for myself. And it's only after a while that you feel that you are able to write or even speak with this inner voice. The first few are a bit like, a, I don't know, monotonous thoughts yeah. or a preconceived idea that you put on paper. And then suddenly a click. Yeah, that's when something's got clicks on. Yeah. I remember uh, when I started to write, I was like, I, I bought this old typewriter. Mm-hmm. And I was just in my room typing, typing. And some of the, if I read them now, they're not really that good, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it, I was just looking for something. Didn't know what, but at some point it just clicked, you know, and it just, it just started working. Hi. And it's just this, I, it's just this, that's the most interesting part, this phase of growing and discovering things and suddenly this light goes on. That's one of the best things uh, that happens. Yeah. As a creative person, you know it. Yeah, yeah. This, I, I, sometimes I don't want to. When I'm into this, I don't want to stop. You know? No, no, you let, just want to go yeah, on, you know. But that made me think about this whole sort of let the voice inside you speak reminds me of this. Uh, after a while, I was watching this video of, you know, these people f- trying to catch ghosts. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like they do. Uh, ghost, ghost hunting. Ghost and, hunting and, and they do all kind of, 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 of uh, ceremonies in house. And one of them is, they call that ghost writing or ghost, the ghost uh, talking to you. I don't know what's the term. But so a person sits in a room with a pen and paper and start to draw mechanically or yeah. write something. And the idea is at some point you are not writing, it's the ghost. Yeah, yeah. They used and, to do that a lot of in the Victorian era. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there all these seances and yada, yada, yada. And they would come together and have... It was very popular at that at that period. Yeah, and I found that pretty fun because I've f- watched these videos mostly for this reason, this yeah. sort of ceremonies of trying to let the ghost speak kind of thing. And very interesting what the outcome, because sometimes it's pure scribble and then you have something that has a bit of a meaning. Yeah. Hard to interpret, I know, but it's very interesting uh, sort, of, uh, sort of background noise in your head, you know. That's weird because in the West we have less this spiritual thing going on with ghosts and da, da, da. but where I come from it's pretty normal from Suriname so it's pretty normal you mm-hmm. know that people believe in spirits and and stuff so most of the world be- actually believes in it but in the West it's kind of separated separated yeah. yeah but do you is this sort of belief are these beliefs part of you or sometimes you creative development no. or they are just uh, cultural no. yeah it's cultural but uh, i grew up here so the culture for me uh, i see myself as a, a amsterdamer a suriname mm-hmm. so i'm amsterdam surinamer so that's how i see myself you know but uh, i have parts of the old culture in me mm-hmm. and uh, but most of the times i'm rooted here for most part i'm rooted here so and then have you have you left some message in Suriname? Uh, when you yeah, but it was I could, it, it, there was hardly any space because you would really a house there is very private, you know. If ah. you write on something, it's it's really private. Somebody's it's you, you buy ground there, and you put your house on there. So I, I was a bit hesitant with it. So I wrote a lot of it in sand. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, take pictures of it, and it's really nice. I have a couple of pictures where you see like kids jumping around it and. But I, I was a bit hesitant on writing on people's houses because f- a lot of people are extremely poor there. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to make life even more uh, difficult. Yeah. 
yeah, you, you sometimes see that uh, some project of, you know, repainting uh, old or poor neighborhoods in certain, uh, you know, like giving uh, colors or giving oh, sort yeah. of life. I would imagine you could leave few notes that can help, uh, I don't know, creativity there, but maybe... There's a friend of mine, uh, Dre Urban. Mm -hmm. He uh, does the... I don't know the English word for it, the Slappenwijk, uh, we call it Slappenwijk, uh, the, the poor neighborhoods in Brazil. Mm -hmm. He, he does these massive paintings. Favelas. Yeah. I think that's well, the yeah, yeah. Brazilian term. Yeah. I couldn't find the word for it, but uh, he does these massive paintings there. Like yeah. You have these stairs that go down, but you really have to see them from a, from distance. a long distance uh, because they're so massive. And he bring, actually really brings colors into that neighborhood, really... Uh, really good-hearted guy also if you meet him so he does it really with this this great passion he makes these great artworks in those uh, those neighborhoods yeah ah, because uh could be uh like colors is one thing obviously but voice is also an important voice is very important so yeah. uh, the capacity to voice yourself alone or make it clear and, and, and understandable for others is important in certain places. So oh, yeah. writing on walls is, is one oh, of yeah. these answers. I think uh, writing on walls to get your voice known has been done for since Roman times, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's the, the first way to express yourself, especially when, when, you, when you disagree with something in society, you will go out to the street and put it on walls. Yeah. And it's been done forever. Yeah, do you know this website that has the uh, Pompeii uh, graffiti translated? No, but no. I, I, I heard about it, but... Uh, it's <laughs> really think. fun. Yeah, but what do they write, actually? A lot of insults and jokes. Of, of course. And, uh, <laughs> I had sex with him or her, or oh, yeah. she's fat, whatever. But, <laughs> it, but it's, it's funny because it's, it talks to us, because yeah. it's very... Contemporary, actually. Contemporary, but they would use different terms or they would refer to God and yeah. goddess, which uh. we are not familiar with anymore, yeah. but she would, someone says or wrote like, yeah, I had sex with uh, Apollonia and she's like, uh, I don't know, uh, Aphrodite to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Nobody will write this now. No, no, but, no, not really. But the, the funny thing is you have a mix of this kind of language and also a bit of political statements sometimes like, or someone uh, saying this guy is stealing money. Yeah, yeah. Or he's, So you had all of this present and I, I've, yeah, they've saved that and I think it's beautiful because it's, um, it's indeed a bit of this city life. Or this, yeah, but you uh, see, what I like about it is that people don't really change, only the, <laughs> the perception and your environment, how you see things change, that, that, but the, the, the expression doesn't really change. I slept with this one or the, yeah. or the, or the political statement. It's just that the perception of society is built up uh, is a bit different. But uh, we're still actually pretty much the same as yeah, yeah. in thought and the base. That's really interesting. Yeah, I would love that they would find more of this engraving on walls on Roman times or oh, Greek yeah. times. Just I don't translate know. it. Yeah, because I think it's 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 part of the story that is often uh, forgotten. Yeah, uh, we only have the stories of the big events or the big yeah. names, but this is really the small things. You yeah, know, the the everyday life that was captured. A friend of mine who used to work at uh, the new uh, Kerak. It's in the new red Kerak. light district. Yeah. Is it no? Is it the old church? Uh, oh, the Kerak, sorry. New Kerak is on the dam. 
And he said, like, we were walking around. He was showing me all these hidden spaces. And he said, like, would you like to see some uh, old graffiti from 16-something, 50-60? So, yeah, why not? And we went after the, into a room and after the bench. And you saw all these engravings of what people saw at that time. So you saw all these ships and people ah. carrying stuff. But that was their experience. What they, that was yeah. what they knew. And it was so interesting. All these uh, symbols that I didn't understand but that was just their perception so you would write the stuff you see around you if i think in 2000 years when they excavate this they will also be like okay what does this mean you know what's this nike logo what's it for (laughs) or something you know but you should uh, maybe do a engraving on the wall sometimes maybe maybe yeah because when i was kid actually i went to guyana next to Suriname, and it used to be like a place to send uh, prisoners uh, from f- French prisoners would go to or would be sent there to work on stuff and die mostly. But you can still visit these prisons that yeah. are left in the jungle or somewhere. And what is very uh, touching is in all of the cells, you have this engraving of, of uh, prisoners and some were actually famous people. Oh, really? French history, especially one guy called Papillon or Butterfly. Yeah, Papillon, yeah, yeah. I saw the movie. Yeah, so he... You can visit uh, the, the prison, the bagne, and then you will see his cell and his, in, his engraving and his notes really? from his notes. I mean, his, from that time and other have done it. And uh, yeah, it's quite uh, indeed touching because it's uh, like these people disappeared from history, most of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Papillon, not. He kind of wrote this book. Yeah, he, re- he is one no, of the few. Wrote, did he write a book or did, did they write a book about him? I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure of the whole story, but I think, yeah, he's, he escaped and that made a, already a story, yeah. but uh, maybe he continued after. But yeah, I need to read the bullshit. Yeah, I, but, I saw uh, the movie with Steve McQueen and yeah. I forgot his name again. That doesn't matter. Yeah, but I think they've made a, a, a recent, remake. Yeah. A remake recently, yeah. Yeah, writing on walls, indeed. Yeah, but uh, again, writing on walls comes goes back to where we were cavemen. We were already drawn. So it's a kind of a natural instinct, I think. Mm-hmm. Even in um, um, uh, uh, Roman saunas, they would like they find like writings in the because the walls would get a bit soft, and they would ah, like, people would scratch. Yeah, ah, they would yeah, scratch stuff in it. So it's kind of this natural instinct. Yeah, but there was I was reading something about cave painting the other day and so we have quite some cave painting around yeah but um the people who study that thinks that we probably have been missing much more because our ancestors have probably painted on rocks oh yeah, yeah. outside or and this has disappeared of course or is covered by jungle and we don't know but there's probably much more painting or cave painting let's say around uh, which is still uh, undiscovered because we don't know where to look or it's all uh, you would need like you would need an x-ray to analyze the rock but it's super beautiful and the latest one i found were the most intriguing were in the sahara oh yeah so the sahara used to be a very green place long time ago yeah yeah and uh, our ancestors there had a, an entire civilization going uh, of uh, like uh, herders and uh, hunters but probably but they did draw on the mountains and the rocks. Now this is all in the middle of the Sahara, in very hostile place. Uh-huh. But most of it has been preserved, sort of, in in a good state. 
but it's very understudied uh, because it's far away, difficult yeah. to access, and in regions that are now also a bit in trouble. But uh, the ones they are beautiful uh, cave painting, and it's, and apparently it's the first, probably the first that used uh, engraving on it. Okay, enhance the drawing. So you have a line and then a little Scr scratching. Yeah, shape, scratch yeah. to give a volume. Yeah, to the, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I was once saw this documentary about uh, uh, a guy that uh, saw cinema as this thing, like where you have movement, a mo moving image, movement, and music together. So it comes together in cinema. But he was like looking for it around the world and had does uh, other cultures have that. And he came in Australia and the closest he came to was with Aboriginals mm -hmm. because what they do is they, oh yeah, stories also, stories mm -hmm. is also part of it. And uh, he found that they, once a year or something, they come into this cave with all these drawings and they tell stories and they dance and they make music. So it's also almost like cinema, yeah, like modern cinema, but from the old ways. And they've been doing this for thousands of years already. Yeah. So they tell the stories about the ancestors, but they also dance and but they also have this images imagery at the background. Really interesting. So it's yeah. and I can imagine that if it's lit by fire, yeah, the the light moves. Oh yeah, so it makes everything move at the same oh, time. Oh yeah, and because you get all these shadows and yeah, yeah. that. I would like to see it. That would be so fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I would love to paint on cave. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's my next project. <laughs> that's my next project. Do a cave painting somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs>